0: The mother put the porcelain spoon. The mother drew back and poured the little girl back. But the mother did not hear the old voice. The mother.
1: Experience the heartwarming story of a mother's love that knows no bounds, titled The Mother, written by Nobel Prize-winning author Pearl S. Buck. It's a story of love, sacrifice, and the universalism of motherhood that transcends race and borders, told through an account of an unnamed mother living in rural China in the early 20th century. Get the audiobook right now at radio.cgtn.com or any major podcast platform. Simply search for the Books and Beyond podcast and key in the Mother.
2: Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Yang, good as always to have you along. The Dragon Boat Festival is observed on June the 22nd this year. What are the legends behind the Dragon Boat Festival? How do Chinese people celebrate this traditional holiday today? Here's a hint it still involves dragon boat racing and delicious food. On today's show, we explore the exciting activities, history, and cultural significance associated with the day. And lots of car owners and motorheads cherish their automobiles. Instead of going to a car wash and hire someone to spruce it up, up. Some would rather do it themselves. There's a new business for DIY or self-service car wash. Why do they charge money then? Huh. We'll find out. For today's program, I'm joined by Lee Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. First on today's show. The Dragon Boat Festival, also known as the Duanwu Festival, is celebrated on the fifth day of the fifth month on the traditional Chinese calendar. This year, it falls on June the 22nd on the Gregorian calendar. The celebrations involve some combination of dragons, I mean dragon boat racing, spirits, loyalty, honor, and culinary treats. So Dragon Boat Festival is one of the four major traditional Chinese festivals. Where did it all begin?
0: Well, actually, there are a lot of legends about how this festival came about and the origins of this festival. But I guess the most popular and the most well-known one would be the story of Qu Yuan. And uh, Qu Yuan was actually a renowned poet. And uh, many people know him as a celebrated poet who wrote the poem titled Li Sao literally meaning encountering sorrow, and he is regarded as the founder of Chinese Romanticism. So the story of Chuyuan really takes place over 2000 years ago during the Warring States period, and more specifically 475 BC to 221 BC. So at that time, the country was divided into seven states, all of which trying to conquer each other. So Qu Yuan was also a devoted minister of the state of Chu. And at that time, he was really trusted by the king of his country, and he had his political aspirations. He would advocate for a lot of reforms and had put some of his ideas into practice. And then Chu had proposed a strategic alliance with the state of Qi in order to fend off the state of Qin, which he believed was a threat. However, some of his ideas regarding you know, reforms somehow violated the interests of nobles who later framed him, thereby leading to his exile and abolishing of the reform. And unfortunately, you know, his prediction about the state of Qin turned out to be true. So Qin re- really defeated Chu, which is Yuan's home country, and the king of Chu was also captured. You know, after realizing that his motherland was collapsing, Chuan was really overwhelmed with grief and anger. As a result, he drowned himself in the Milua River in present-day Hunan province, exactly on the 5th day of the 5th lunar month that year. And meantime, you know, legend has that when local people heard the news that Chu Yuan drowned himself, they rowed boats on the river to search for him, but of course, found nothing. And in order to ward off fish from eating the beloved patriot's body, they just beat drums splashed the water with their paddles and also threw lumps of rice into the river. And that is why the act of boat rowing later developed into dragon boat racing. And also that lumps of rice gradually become what we eat now during this festival, zongzi, you know, or sticky rice dumplings. So that's one of the stories of all the dragon boat festival came into being and the people believe it's a day to commemorate the ancient poet Qu Yuan. And yeah. also we have different activities to be part of this celebration
1: yeah that seems to explain a lot of things if not everything about the holiday which is still associated to what we do today and josh um, after looking at a few legends and stories of the well orange story of the duangwu festival which one captures your imagination the most
2: well there's some quite interesting ones right and um some of them are quite scary almost um there's the one of uh Zishu. did i say that right Zishu.
1: yeah close enough
2: wu zi shu, shu, right okay thank you yes uh Zishu, and obviously this general during spring um serving the state of Wu uh, led by King he Lu, uh, at least i've i've got here from what i was reading before the show and Yeah, I mean, it's quite violent, actually, this story. Um, There was an execution, a body dumped in the river, the fish eating the flesh of the body, and then to protect his friend's body from being desecrated by fish, the king ordered people to race in dragon boats to throw food, rice dumplings, right, into the river to feed the fish, something like this. This is one of the stories or versions of the stories that I've read, and it sounds pretty intense, but I guess that's quite... That's quite a a similar theme throughout a lot of legends, right, is that there's always quite a lot of thrill and and violence here. Um, It just amazes me, though, that how many different stories there are for Dragon Boat Festival. How do you guys go about choosing the right one or is there a right one or is it just a combination of all of them?
1: I still prefer Chu Yuan's story a bit more, but <laughs> yes. I've heard the one that Josh just mentioned as well. And there's something very dramatic and uh, also, you know, self-sacrifice. This is one of the reoccurring themes and also uh, falling out of f- the favor of your emperor or king as an academic or scholarly magistrate and these are some of the themes that so many poets have written about and I think there's an aspect of that that is still kind of alive in today's Chinese culture because there's just so much literature that has been inherited until today and maybe even through some of these festivals so it's kind of For me, it's interesting to look at these um, old legends or stories as such. And now back to contemporary China today. How do people celebrate the Dragon Boat Festival? Li Yi, you mentioned
0: a couple of things. But let's start with food first. Of course, I think, you know, we do have different kinds of food to eat on different, you know, occasions, especially in different festivals here in China. And I guess the food for Dragon Boat Festival would be zongzi. And that's basically a pyramid shaped uh, pastry with glutinous rice and wrapped in reed or bamboo leaves. And that is the very specific food you know people would eat and also make by themselves on or during the Dragon Boat Festival and they can there can be different stuffings like people in northern China would favor the red date as the filling and maybe in southern part of china people would prefer like red bean paste and also fresh meat or like egg yolk so there can be different options you know out there for you to choose from and uh, talking about why we eat zongzi during the dragon boat festival i think the story of Yuan could be part of the reason you know the behavior of throwing lumps of rice into the river, you know, to ward off those evil spirits could be one origin. But I guess more people nowadays really eat zongzi as a prayer for good luck, because they consider zongzi as a symbol of luck, because the pronunciation of zong is basically the similar pronunciation of zhong in Chinese. I mean, it can stand for the middle, it can also mean like winning Loyal a prize oh. and or or scoring high on an exam uh-huh. i guess that's uh, that's zhong uh, oh, really yeah, yeah, in yeah. chinese but i guess people kind of make this correlation in, and uh, think that when i'm eating or we're, we're making zhongzi so that means i'm bringing more good luck to me and also to my family members yeah so that's a very very interesting and very very long-term t- tradition related to dragon boat festival
1: um are you a big fan of zones at all? Because I know, really. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. All right. <laughs> a lot of young people are like, they don't really mind it that much. They yes. might have one because it just happened to be the day. And if you go to a restaurant or whatnot, and then that's on the menu. But that's pretty much it for a lot of yes, people. Yes,
0: I think my parents and also my parents-in-law, they actually would just make zongzi oh, themselves every year. And that is quite a f- surprising for me because first of all, I'm not really a fan of zongzi. I don't really <laughs> like any sticky, you know, uh, those things, especially sticky rice. Okay. That's not my type. But I can have a, like a one or two bite during the Dragon Ball Festival to really to celebrate this festival. And that's all. But I know there are like, especially for elderly people, they consider it as a more like a tradition to mark this festival. They think that's the thing they can do to, you know, build up the festival vibe, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you learned how to make the Zongzi? I tried, but Uh I think that's really difficult for me because, they, you know, it's sort of asking you to use your hand in a very smart way. Mm-hmm. And you have to put the rice in uh, on the top of the bamboo leaf and somehow wrap you, you it up. Just, yes, and just you just wrap it up. And that comes a zongzi. But I guess that's kind of difficult for me. Yeah, me as well. I've tried once it was to do a show. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh.
1: I performed poorly. And <laughs> that actually got the rating's up a little bit. I don't understand <laughs> why. And my family doesn't make them themselves, oh. ourselves. So, yeah, that's why I say, Li Yi, you should keep the tradition alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carry on the spirit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Josh, have you had zongzi in China? And um, and be honest, sticky rice, is that really your cup of tea? I'll
2: be really honest with you. It's not something that I crave. Um, I'm not sure why. I've had it before. And... It's not bad, I enjoy it, but I think there's just something about the texture of it. There's nothing wrong with it at all, and I don't dislike it, but it's definitely not something that I crave. Um, The sort of bean paste, sometimes that's inside, that's a bit unusual for (laughs) um, people coming from countries like my own. Um, And like the salted egg yolk, like I think for a lot of Brits anyway, egg yolk is already quite flavorful (laughs) so salted egg yolk can sometimes be a bit too salty for us Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's definitely not something that i crave but i have enjoyed and i will enjoy zongzi for sure
1: and i know that a
2: lot of enjoyment comes from the process right of making them
1: I thought it's just eating them because yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How to, and I don't think I can ever successfully manage to do so because last time I tried, I think I, the, the tried rice just keeps times. on falling out. Yeah. It's really hard. And also I got scolded because yeah. my final product just did not look all beefed up and in the correct shape. And the chef was like, you know, looked at me with total disdain without saying much, um, you know, considering there was a live stream. So never mind. Never mind. So it seems out of us three, I'm the only true fan of Zonzi. Oh, you're (laughs) a fan of Zonzi. I didn't really know that. Well, major disclaimer, anybody who has dentures should not eat this. No, I mean, should eat it with caution. Yes, let's put it that way. And, um, yeah, I just love pairing up one sweet zhongzi with a savory one. See, I'm keeping everybody happy because, mm-hmm. Josh, in our country, sweet or savory of zhongzi or the glutinous rice balls, the uh, yuanxiao or tangyuan mm-hmm. or... it Does it also include the mooncakes as of course, well? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah it, it's a major divide. Um, people are very stubborn about what they like. Well, rightfully so. And I like both. I need to have both, because okay, Josh, let me explain. Red bean paste—that's like Chinese people's equivalent to chocolate. So, that's <laughs> really? <as> my opinion. <laughs> you said, but you, <laughs> according to He Yang, okay. yeah. so it's. I think most Chinese people like it, and then yes. it's healthier. It's yes. sweet, and it's a nice filling to have in a bunch of things. Yes,
0: I think a red bean. Paste has been widely used in a lot of traditional Chinese pastry. Yeah, you got right. me. That's especially favored by elderly people, and for <laughs> young, okay. and a young maybe, <laughs> and maybe a larger group of people. I yes. don't really know. So that's right a popular
1: stuffing. Yes. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you like red bean paste, and not make me feel so alone in the studio right now. <laughs> so basically, red bean paste is key and also you can have it with uh, the slight orange peel flavor Chenpi, i think it's the perfect combination of the sweet zongzi, and then with the savory and meaty one uh, make sure that it's a chunk of meat in there and there's got to be the fatty meat as well as the lean and put together egg yolk or not that's not priority to me, but also um, some people really make it fancy, and now they would put in, like, this um, one abalone baoyu. This is something that uh, Chinese people consider as top-notch food material, and if I explain it to you, um, that's pretty much marine snail. (laughs) Didn't make it sound very appetizing, but in our food culture as well, it's delicious Um, anyhow so that's what I really like
0: yeah and talking about that I think in a lot of food manufacturers they are really using very expensive materials or ingredients when they are trying to produce zhongzi or mooncake in recent years because besides eating during dragon boat festival. I think there's also a tradition of sending, you know, gift box of yes. zongzi to maybe to your families, to your friends. And I guess, you know, companies would also send those gift box to their clients. Mm-hmm. So that somehow it just drives like a skyrocketing cost of gift box of zongzi in recent years and also for mooncakes during the mid-autumn festival. So I guess there has been relevant, you know, there's even like a national standard on the packaging of zhongzi and I'm not really sure if Josh has ever heard about it, but there is a national guideline on that because (laughs) we are trying to really curb those excessive packaging of zongzi and because sometimes the value of packaging could even exceed the value of zongzi because people want to, you know, send these luxurious gift box to their clients, to their maybe important ones. And that somehow is not really a good trend to be observed. So national authorities are just trying to eliminate or curb that trend. Yeah, but I. this is again He Yang's own observation. Um, this
1: trend has actually been reversed in a great deal or, or at least put a pause on for uh, in recent years, ever since the anti-corruption campaign. Um, the, the thing is, when more people are buying these zongzi for themselves or family members, then there is maybe less of the pressure to make it so ostentatious. But certainly there is the discussion how to make the packaging more sustainable and um, also to appeal to the taste of a younger generation, as we've Mm. demonstrated on this show, might not be all that interested in zongzi to start with, some of us. So uh, this is, you know, talking about food is always my passion. Let's just put it that way. And also this year, we've seen that
0: um, some of the zongzi tea has become very fashionable. That's kind of a new innovation by some food manufacturers. They are basically combined popular choice of zongzi and also tea, which has been really popular among younger generations in recent years. And they called it as zongzi tea. Basically, they just put black tea you know, wrapped up with bamboo or reed leaves. And one of such products was produced by a local company in Qinmen County of Huangshan City in Anhui Province. And to create this novel way of consuming black tea, Tea. This tea company just introduced, you know, this kind of new innovation, and the, the product was actually a big hit with mm. consumers when it was first released. Maybe because people can really enjoy the scent of bamboo and also the tea mm. at the same time. So it's a kind of a good mixture. Ooh, so that's really nice. inter- interesting. Yeah, yeah, the way you just advertised for it. <laughs> Sold. I'm already trying to advertise it, although. <laughs> but well done.
1: I can't wait to try that. Mm-hmm. And also another big activity for this day is dragon boat racing. I would assume this would excite Josh Cotterell.
2: Why? Why would this excite Josh Cotterell? I'm not, I'm confused. I mean, yeah, I kind of, I mean, trying
1: I, to cue you. <laughs> I
2: love the water, as you know. I mean, you know I've never actually been in one of these boats but they, it is pretty exciting um it, it looks it looks amazing and I'm, I've always been quite interested in these different forms of rowing and races because in my hometown we also have a special kind of boat race in Ooh. Scarborough in in the northeast of England these coastal towns we do we just call it sea rowing we call it rowing but actually it's a little bit similar it's in a big boat and you only have one oar. Um, And I, I think it's really fascinating just to have that relationship with the water, and I guess dragon boat racing is also pretty different to traditional rowing, right?
1: I would think it's kind of more similar to regular rowing, but... I mean, your, Mm. your type of the Scarborough type of uh, drag um, boat racing involves only one oar. that is magical. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and that's in the ocean, right? It is. It's, it's different. And it's dangerous, actually, you because it's, you you will, you're supposed to wait until the waves are flat, but the water's still pretty choppy when compared to racing on a river or a lake.
1: Okay. Whoa, everybody stay safe.
0: That's the most important thing. Yes, I think most of of the dragon boat races are held on in rivers, in yeah. China. and But as Josh said, it can be dangerous somehow, especially, you know, when there are private dragon boat races, because we've seen, you know, cases, you know, showing that, you know, there are some people who try to, you know, organize this dragon boat race privately, and they somehow maybe choose like a random river, and uh, they just uh, gather a group of people and somehow... They have been detained by local police for organizing such events because there have been like relevant safety accidents happened before, you know, related to this private dragon boat races. Mm. But this has also aroused a debate online because people are saying that if you want to guarantee the safety of of those people involved in dragon boat races, maybe you should maybe carry out more safety measures instead of just uh, banning or prohibiting people from attending such events.
1: Yeah. Well, there seems to be the enthusiasm among people. And uh, yeah, participating in the dragon boat race sounds really exhilarating. And uh, the some of the big ones, of course, legitimate ones, even receive... TV broadcasting treatment, and uh, it's a lot of fun, one thing to observe on this day. And there are some of the other um, traditions that have a long history, including hanging auspicious leaves, wearing sachets uh, that have a special fragrance to it, uh, tying five-colored Silk thread, that sounds like you need really agile fingers to do, which I do not have. And drinking realgar wine, mm-hmm. that's something that I only learned from a popular TV series <laughs> back in the day, Xin Bai which involves this um, legend of two snake spirits who turned into like figures and then, you know, got punished again. And it's a long story, anyhow. So, do any of these customs still sing to you at all? It's well, okay to say no, because I can
0: <laughs> sense it from you. Well, I think they're very interesting traditions. Although, you know, my family may not really stick to this tradition every year during the Dragon Boat Festival. I think we majorly, you know, have a taste of zongzi, and that's all for the festival. But I mean, you can really observe that all these festivals are related to the behavior of praying for blessings. Mm. And that's a very interesting, you know, approach to look at Dragon Boat Festival. And here I've also got a little test for Josh and also maybe for He Yang. Do you know how to greet people, you know, during Dragon Boat Festival? I mean, what words will you say? Like Merry Christmas or, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, Josh, your turn first.
2: (laughs) Uh, am i am i getting tested here yeah yeah Um, putting you on the spot i guess uh, dragon boat festival koila
0: well that's Mm. the exactly the wrong answer eh. and but typical wrong answer, you know, people would, would think that we can say like Happy mm-hmm. Dragon Boat Festival like some other traditional festivals. Yeah. But I think we say mm-hmm. in a more common way that means to wish you peace and health during mm-hmm. Dragon Boat Festival because this festival is basically a very important, you know, occasion or a time for, for people to pray for health, safety, and blessing. And yeah. that's very different from other traditional festivals. Yeah. New knowledge, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Dun wu is yes.
1: what you should say. And also, this is something to do with throughout history during this period of time. Insects might be yes. um, enjoying a heyday. And also, what else? Also, infectious diseases during mm. ancient times sometimes would plague... Um, the city back then so all the good reason to sort of wish each other good health peace and prosperity that kind of thing all right coming up self-service car wash is becoming popular is it a playground for grown-ups stick around everybody
2: with a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want
1: a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day.
2: Chinese folktales retold for audiences today. Will, Will you marry me? he asked. keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable.
1: You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Lee Yi in the studio and Josh Carterell on the line. Coming up... For many car owners, washing a vehicle by hand is a therapeutic act as beneficial for the person's state of mind as to the car's appearance. Now in Chinese cities, there's a burgeoning business of self-service car wash. We discuss why. and. What are the top 10 delicious cuisines in the world? Some internet users find it hard to stomach that China did not come first in this one. Well, you can't be on the top all the time, and you should allow, and we do, everybody to have their own preferences, and also who has had so many world cuisines to be eligible to judge? So we'll talk about it. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. If you have questions that you want us to answer on social issues, business, technology, or whatever moves your spirit, you can send those our way. There's a place to do it. E-Z-F-M at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better. Now on Roundtable as we continue today's discussion. There are plenty of reasons you might want to hand wash your car. Maybe you don't trust your neighborhood automated drive-through car wash. Maybe you want to save a little money. Or maybe you find DIY a way to relieve stress. In Chinese cities, most people live in apartment compounds. Therefore, don't have their own driveway. So if they want to hand wash their car, they better go somewhere specially designated for this purpose and pay a fee for it, I suppose. So tell us, self-service car washes are becoming popular in Chinese cities these days.
0: Yes, I think the business first went popular during the pandemic, especially in the city of Beijing, because people really want to avoid any kind of contact with, other people so a car wash store that's open until late night was the first batch to really make this attempt it was really popular among customers they think self-service car wash is much safer for them compared to going to a store but now it's getting more popular in a lot of cities and uh, they basically can be provided by really a specialized self-service car wash stations or like a conventional car wash store and usually most uh, self-serve locations are open 24 hours and you only pay for the time it takes to wash your car, maybe 30 minutes, maybe one hour. At that location, you are provided with various cleaning products you uh-huh. need to wash your car like towels, uh, wipes, brush, vacuum, you know, foam cleaner, etc. And they're already available to you. And usually this kind of self-service car wash is cheaper than manual services of car wash stores. And for example, in Beijing, uh, one store charges 80 yuan for self-service car wash. It's much cheaper than 168 yuan for its manual car wash service. And also, let's look at uh, cases in Nantong. I mean, there are some self-service sites offered around neighborhoods and one self-serve site offers a price list and uh, you can pay for like 1.5 yuan per minute for water 2 yuan per minute for foam cleaning and 0.5 yuan per minute for vacuum and also the same price for sanitizing so it's really cheaper for example if you don't want to spend a long time washing your car maybe just 10 minutes and they just take you like 20 or 30 yuan I guess quite cheaper compared to you know those car wash business and uh, now it uh, this service or this kind of business is being promoted in more cities like Beijing, Zhengzhou, Suqian and Nantong and uh, especially they are being provided as a you know convenience facilities for local residents and so that you don't really have to drive far away for such service and you can just uh, choose to wash your car In the meantime, being provided with professional cleaning products or nearby your residential community.
1: Yeah. And also, apparently, if you're a real pro in car washing, then you would know that the cleaning products that you use to clean your bathroom, your floor, in your home is not the stuff you should use cleaning the car. So it probably comes in really handy if you already have all the equipment there and you just pay for it and still do the heavy lifting yourself josh uh i know you're not a big fan of driving cars as such but according to your you know observation in let's say the uk um is it pretty common to go through a car wash to clean your car or do folks just do it themselves at home or in their own driveway that kind of thing
2: a lot of people do clean their own cars actually in the uk Um, I think that it's seen by many people as a bit of a luxury to to go through a car wash and it can be quite expensive. So, and there are also a lot of self-service car washes in the UK as well. So um, yeah, I would say that a lot of people clean their own cars and I have cleaned many cars myself actually. And I love it, I love doing it.
1: Well, tell me why.
2: Well, I mean, I think this is what we need to talk about today as well as saving money cleaning, especially cleaning something like a car or a motorcycle or a bicycle is just so much fun. I mean, it's so, it's (laughs) such good, it's such good exercise. It's, it's so therapeutic. It, it gets rid of stress just to declut everything and then have this shining object at the end to have that clear goal and working towards that clear goal to be able to get lost in it. You know, you can't clean and be on your phone at the same time you can't do anything, and <laughs> the goal is so simple and tangible. I-, I just love it. I mean, I was cleaning my bicycle yesterday for about three or four hours, and it's probably, probably the daylight of month, honestly. It sounds crazy, but it's true.
1: Yeah. Is that your happy place? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I guess I can't use that one now. <laughs> You've
1: just given away for free. <laughs> Li Yi, you also provided an account that cleaning your own car can be something that people really have the craving for.
0: Yes, (laughs) you know, I can really understand the fun part that Josh mentioned about washing cars, because Oh, I hate to admit this, but, you know, car wash has been sort of like a traditional activity in my family. Oh. Uh, by family, I mean between me and my husband, because my husband obviously has this craze for car washing by himself. Although we do have this kind of, you know, membership at those car wash stores outside, he just loves you know, cleaning his own car by himself. And of course, he loves to invite me to wash that together with him. And he enjoys, you know, wash everything by himself, like motorcycle, bike, and he can spend like hours cleaning those vehicles. And according to him, he just uh, finds sense of accomplishment after washing all those vehicles by Mm -hmm. himself. And he always think that no one knows better than himself about the car. And uh, he feel like more assured that he can really clean every little corner inside and maybe for the outside part of his car. And also, yes, I think, you know, when you are cleaning something for a long period of time, it's kind of like a, you are concentrating on something. and. Uh, Some people say, you know, when you are struggling with maybe your mental health, maybe your experience, anxiety and depression, sometimes cleaning can also help with that. So I guess that's the fun part of car wash. And also I learned, you know, in a lot of places, you know, car wash is also a family activity, especially when they have kids because they think you know put to, them to work yes and to put them to help something you know to really help their mom and dad and to get involved in family issues you know, you know house chores and maybe also to exercise their concentration skills and also hands-on abilities so mm. yeah i kind of understand why people are obsessed with car washing and especially with this kind of self-service car wash because is, it's convenient and meantime also offers that fun
1: That's so interesting. And it's only in recent years do we see this become a bit more popular. I Mm -hmm. guess back in the day, yeah, ever since uh, the very beginning when more Chinese families started to have their own private vehicles, people used to clean their own cars. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was so troublesome. I remember seeing a neighbor, um, her dad would put on these Rain boots and get water hose to rinse the whole car, and uh, and and you need a lot of um, rugs to clean and all that stuff. And of course, that wouldn't cost you any extra money. You doing the hard work. And then gradually it became that we all sent our cars to car washes, and sometimes it's a drive-through, all automated but you still need person to clean the inside of your mm-hmm. car i would think and then that expense just went up and up it became more expensive and also as more chinese cities have these huge residential communities or these residential complexes, um, not all of them have a nearby car wash for some reason. And then you had to kind of drive a distance to find one and also to find an affordable one at some and, and also as something as small as it might seem, you know, how to wash your car. That's part of, in my opinion, neighborhood planning that That's not always there. And in recent years, well, look at us. After the pandemic and everything, now there is a new business opportunity for people to wash their own cars in this special place. And there's definitely the upside of it. But... People are complaining about problems as well. And what are the things that need some improvement so that this business can continue to
0: grow and people enjoy washing their own cars? Although you know you know those companies are trying to label this as self-service. Car wash. You have to admit that not everyone, you know, really knows how to use those tools in the best way. So there are concerns that if consumers are not really familiar with all those tools and also also how to clean the car, maybe um, there's the risk of damaging their vehicle. And uh, if there's a damage, then whose responsibility? Um, that's it and that's a problem you know for such you know really emerging business and also there's the problem of you know special cleaning product and uh, you have to make sure they are ph balanced or they can also damage the coating or polish of, of one's vehicle so you see there are some you know problems or potential problems or risks concerning the self-service car wash. So there are also suggestions saying that if any company wants to promote this kind of business mode, maybe they should really provide very clear guideline, you know, uh, at those uh, car wash locations to really provide Detailed information about how to use those tools and what are some tapes and, and and maybe warning tapes for customers out there.
1: Yeah. I think it depends on how much you're charging. If it's dirt cheap, mm-hmm. then all right. But if you're still charging okay, I'm a bit of a cheapskate here. More than twenty yuan, <laughs> then I need the detailed demonstration on tape or whatever it is. Joking aside, maybe there is also this drive for self service in a whole bunch of different aspects of things. And this is just one of them. And I don't think it was this prevalent, the DIY trend, Mm -hmm. do-it-yourself trend here in China. And I think partially was because that labor costs, well, even till today, is still relatively cheap compared to a lot of uh, developed countries. And then we have, in a way, the luxury. um, And also just, we have this option of hiring somebody to do it nice and clean and fast. And, uh, and therefore you go for it. Josh, do you see this um, sort of rise of DIY and do it yourself aspect in business these days?
2: Yeah, I think so. And it it makes a lot of sense to me, especially these self-service industries. I think that a a lot of these self-service industries are focused around cost effectiveness, obviously. And I think also that it appeals to this new sort of consumerism that we have, this sort of personalized desire for personalized services where services can be so tailor-made to the individual. And I guess that self-service things like even in restaurants where you can serve yourself food. I guess this is also a type of personalization. And I guess that you could even say this about car washing, something as niche as car washing, because I guess everybody's car's different. Everybody's got a different standard to which they think their car needs to be cleaned, I guess. And I think that a lot of people quite like to exercise that control over their own belongings. I know I feel that way. I know that may seem quite strange to some people, but one of the reasons that i always like cleaning cars are the cars that i would drive back in the uk or my family's cars and the bicycles that i ride here one of the reasons that i like doing it is because it feels like i'm taking care of my own product i guess and i can i guess a job is only ever i think that the best job that anybody can do for anything is is myself i think maybe that's yeah. just a personality trait but I think there's something to do with this desire for personalized experience here.
1: Yeah, there is definitely that desire, um, I think, in everybody's heart. But the difference here is, do you do it or do you hire someone to do it on your behalf and berate them for not doing it well? No, always be nice to your servers. Yes. So Li Yi, do you see here in China Mm. now, self-service is something that's becoming more popular?
0: Well, I think we've already have a lot of like self-service business, you know, being commonly used in life. For example, ATM, that's one perfect example of self-service, although maybe not a lot of people would really consider it as a self-service or maybe not notice it. But I think, yeah, nowadays people are getting more used to this kind of self-service, especially with like, the development of technologies mm. and you know when you are ordering food uh, at a restaurant basically you are you you, will, you would always be recommended to scan the code on the table and to order Don't the food get me by started yourself. With that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then when you go to hospital you can mm. also use those you know digital devices to make registration and also paying the bills. By yourself but you know all you know i think maybe for young people it can be easier to adapt to this trend if we can call it as a trend because Mm -hmm. usually that involves a lot of you know knowledge about how to use those uh, devices and uh, somehow it can really save your time when you really uh, grasp that skills and knowledge and uh, y- y- you can really avoid you know chatting with others or talking with you know um, staffs and uh, that can be a good news for any people you know who have social phobia but anyhow for elder people maybe they are not really used to this kind of self-service business because they usually they would expect there are human staff and who can really offer some help to them. Yeah. So, you know, it's like different, maybe different trend for different groups of, of customers and maybe for companies, they, re- they really need to understand who are their customers?
1: Yeah. And when you mentioned there's possibly an age gap in their people's preferences uh, in this aspect of things, the first thing that came to mind was banking, mm. probably because got the idea from your ATM example. Now, when you see the folks who line up to go to a bank for the service at the window, usually they're a bit older. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder, once, um, you know, in a few decades, or let's just say 10 years in the future, would we gradually just see less and less people in the... physical bank. And yeah, this is just another example of one of the really secure and stable jobs or the really coveted jobs could gradually lose its shine because there is just so much of uh, the development and automation and a lot of the self-service comes it's built upon automation mm-hmm. and these kind of things. What do you think is the most important thing for businesses to keep in mind as they try to strike a balance of providing the tailor-made service that Josh really Puts his heart to, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But also, you know, providing the convenience
0: and uh, the speedy service that is powered by technology. Well, I think uh, although, you know, those companies are trying to provide this kind of self-service business, they are trying to offer more opportunities that customers could serve themselves it's really important to make sure their service can be easy to use and especially when you don't really have your staff maybe at the locations or in the store you have to make sure you offer certain guidelines or certain information you know adequate information so that customers who know nothing about your service or who know nothing about how to use your machine can really use that machine without the help of staff. And that's very important for any kind of self-service business. And uh, also to uh, optimize based on customer feedback because usually maybe you think you have offered all the things that uh, customers would need to use that service you could always base the point. So pay attention to what customers think about your machine and your service could also help your business to keep updated.
2: I think that one thing that they have to consider, of course, safety is a huge one. We've discussed that briefly today. But with any sort of automation, with any kind of heavy responsibility that you put on the customer, there's a huge legal aspect to this. And there's you've got to think about liability, you've got to think about protecting the customer. And I think that that's something that businesses have to consider a lot as well. If you're going to allow customers to have a lot of autonomy during these activities and provide themselves with the services, so to speak, whether it's through some sort of automation, because it's not fully automated, right? The customer Mm -hmm. still needs to engage to some degree. I think that there's got to be really good safety regulations as well.
1: Very good point. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, China ranks number two in the 10 best cuisines in the world. Produced by an American media outlet, what's the best food in the world, in your opinion? Stay tuned.
2: Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable where East meets West and understanding is the goal.
1: It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Chinese people's love for food and their ability to transform humble ingredients into culinary wonders have captivated taste buds worldwide. Recently, CNN ranked China second in the best cuisine of the world. Perhaps Not a surprise. Some Chinese internet users are up in arms about what's said about our food. Well, I'm curious about who's number one. But (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so guys, uh, let's walk through the list. Uh, What are some of the other countries that have made it to the top 10 list? And do
0: you agree? Things that you like or don't like so much? Feel free to share. Well, maybe let's just start with number 10 and we can leave the champion at the very last part. So keep (laughs) it as a secret. Keep people at the edge of their seats. Yes. So the the top 10, number 10 is the United States. What? uh, Yes. (laughs) Huh, okay. Yes, and although you know many of the popular foods in this country originated in some other cuisine, they do have their own innovation and some recommendation would be cheeseburger and uh, that's a perfect example of making good things greater according to the list given by CNN. And also uh, the chop, the chocolate cheap cookie you know, it's invented mm-hmm. as recently as the 1930s and it's recommended as a must try for anyone who are interested in U.S. cuisine. Mm. So that's number 10.
1: All right. Um, Josh, any thoughts and care to add to the list?
2: No, I mean, I I would probably add British food in there, maybe around number six or something like that. But other oh, than that, surprisingly
0: high. I think it's
2: a good list. I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the list is. I mean, the list is ridiculous. It's meaningless. I mean, what? Who, who? There is no objective classification here. And what does it even mean by cuisine? I mean, there's good and bad food in every country. I mean, are we talking about quality? flavor all of these things mean different things to different people people have different preferences what i was most interested in is how these food critics actually grade these foods and i found that there are actually four ways one of them is called sensory analysis so this is where you consider the taste the smell the sight the touch and even the sound when you bite into it and all of these things can apparently add something to it i mean looking at the the first the one that's number one on this list i won't say it yet but I don't think it's a very noisy food, I don't know. Anyway, um, and also uh, deliberation and scoring apparently goes into it. So scoring on different aspects of the dish like presentation, creativity, Um, comparison with industry standards is another one, and then a review from perspective. So this is from the perspective of the target audience. For example, cheap local food um, shouldn't be judged apparently in the same criterion standards for high-end restaurants. Now, I might be British, It might be because I'm British and, you know, maybe we don't appreciate food as much. I think we do. But I think that this whole list is completely meaningless, to be honest. No offense (laughs) to all of those countries.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no offense to any of the countries. And it's interesting, you know, when uh, it pops up, you know. Okay, well, I mean, a criterion or not, the results are just strange. Anyway, so um, I'll, I'll walk you through part of the list and just so we know um, what are the country's cuisines that are being mentioned here. Number nine is Mexico. Number eight is Thailand. And then going up the list is Greece, India, Japan, Spain, France, China, And the champion, according to this list that we don't really like or agree with, is Italy. Oh. Yeah, but Italian food is quite nice. Yes. Yeah. That's such a generalization, right? And also, it has to be somebody who's at least had a taste of quite a few dishes of different price range in all these countries to really come up with the conclusion. And I don't think I'm qualified to come up with a conclusion because I haven't really had that many Mexican foods or whatnot. But Japanese food I think is very friendly to my Chinese palate. Yeah, I like sashimi as such. But um these days you need to consider safety and things. So um can't have them willy-nilly like um, used to. Uh, I feel, yeah. So, what are your comments to this
0: list? Well, I think as you said, there isn't really like a unified standard, especially on food or cuisine, because it it has something to do with your own background. If you have been brought up in an Asian country, maybe you are. Uh, it's easier for you to try those you know food from Asian countries as, as well. Mm. and maybe it can be difficult for you to, to really adapt to those food from a very different culture. So that's why some people say this can be a biased list. but anyhow I think it's it can also let us to know more about other food cuisine culture from other countries, although some of those dishes you know being recommended are really generalized you know, guising for me. But anyhow, it's it's just an interesting list to look at. But any but anyone can just, uh, you know, rely on your own taste.
1: Yeah. And be confident about that because yes. it's all that matters in your world. The good food, you determine tasty rules. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Li Yi and Josh Cotterell for joining the show. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time.